Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our Woody Allen retrospective right here on planettyro.com. I'm your host, Donald Wonder, and I'm joined once again by the lovely, the wonderful, the Mr. Fantastic, Simon Rad. Wow, that's a lot of names to live up to, but welcome, everybody. <laughs> if you missed our previous recording, we actually covered the Russian literature satire romp, 1975's Love and Death. All you non-YouTube listeners, you can catch us on our podcast. Obviously, the links will be in the description. And there's also a long playlist that we covered all the previous Woody Allen movies, all the future ones. We're doing this from 2017 until we catch up on all the movies. And guys, I'm going to make this very easy for you. Whether you're listening to this on YouTube or the podcast, whatever, you can just use the hashtag Woody Allen Retro and you'll find it. You can even just go to Google, put in Woody Allen Retro, You'll find links to all of our discussions. I made it so easy for you guys. So it's going to be great. And um, also, guys, we do prefer that we don't want to spoil the movie that we're about to talk about. If you've already seen the movie, stay tuned to the conversation. But if not, we would prefer you go ahead, watch the movie, then come back to listen to our discussion. And with all that out of the way, we're going to move on to our next movie. So, Simon, if you don't mind doing us the honors and telling us what we're talking about today... Today, we're going to switch it up a bit with a movie that stars Woody Allen, but was not written or directed by him. It's the movie called The Front from 1976. The story basically follows the adventures of Howard Prince, played by Woody Allen, set in 1953 at the height of the McCarthy era. Howard gets intertwined in a scheme to help out his friend and later on some of his friend's friends who have been blacklisted from writing for television. This was a very prominent thing during the era about oh, during the uh, about the communist craze during the Cold War. Yeah. People were constantly blacklisted and interrogated by the government. You were, they would constantly have hearings where they would order you in and would throw the book at you if you refused to cooperate or you didn't answer questions properly or in the right fashion. And usually what it came down to that they wanted you to name people. And a lot of people abuse this. They would name name some of their colleagues at the workplace or some people they didn't like to screw with them. And also a lot of innocent people, but a lot of people who just had very mild political views, which were then extremified in the 50s to be branded as extreme communists or extreme left wing, yeah. were outcasted and forbidden from work. So this is what Woody Allen's friends in the, the movie deal with. And ironically, it's very important to mention is that the movie was made by people, including the director and the writers, who were themselves blacklisted yeah. back in the day. So this is a very authentic story and something that they may have not wanted to exactly touch upon and probably wasn't the easiest movie to make. Hence the reason Woody Allen, who at this point is an established filmmaker who kind of you know, does whatever he wants and is quite free to tackle edgy projects, was chosen as the lead. Uh, the rest of the movie plays out as you expect. Woody Allen's character is similar to his persona from the previous films. He's down on his luck. He's a bit of a loner, but he's a, a smart, witty guy with a couple of funny jokes here and there. 
this situation helps put him put his name on other other people's work and does become a successful television writer gain some fame and some money and eventually get romantically involved hmm. then later on the movie fic the plot of the movie thickens when more people get blacklisted or potentially get put on a watch list by the government to be called into hearings which complicates his life considering he's doing something illegal and he has this loyalty to his friends but he also tries to protect the newfound fame and fortune he acquired through the scheme yeah that's enough we don't want to give any more you've given basically the whole thing anyway so I, I tried to I tried to simplify it as much as possible I mean it's a it, it's a it's a weird movie because it's 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 comedic but it's also about quite a serious topic that is very important historically and has hurt a lot of people deeply a lot of american families so it, it's i wanted to give a, a broad spectrum of context but sure. uh you know the movie when you especially when it starts it's quite lighthearted. let me um start by saying that one thing i should stop saying in this retrospective because most of the times i'm saying oh the next movie is one of my favorite simon and you know i remember being great and this was you do say one. that a lot I said that last week as well that, oh, the next one's <laughs> one of my favourites the front yeah I'm looking forward to it so much you know for the record after this one I'm going to stop saying that because this is a movie I actually didn't like after re-watching it and it's not a bad movie there's a difference between it's. I didn't like it not because it wasn't filmed or anything like that I didn't like it because the way the subject matter was handled now as you went on and said in great detail, this is a time in Hollywood in cinema that is very important. The blacklist, the Cold War, the you know the government going crazy and ruining people's lives. Now, the first time I watched it, I remember this being a breakaway from Woody Allen being the super super slapsticky comedy guy into a bit of more serious role, and he is more serious now than he was before. Still comedic, and even the comedy he brings to the movie isn't goofy. He's just well spoken well witted and his situation is more comical than him in my personal opinion it's mostly quips he has funny quips throughout the film he does and the thing that bothers me about the movie is that the situation is quite serious and Woody Allen is the only comical character in the movie and he is very unlikable in this movie he, when he starts off, he's a cashier, and you can tell that he's made some bets, he's made some gambles, he owes people money. So when he does this favour for a friend, he I will be honest and say he genuinely does it to help his friend. There's a little benefit to him. As the movie goes on, he just progressively becomes more, you know, used to the riches, more greedy, and just... The film does an interesting job of making him comedic in that way where you know now he can buy everything he wants now he gets a woman he wants and that's kind of haha funny but everyone else in the movie for the most part is suffering the actors he's working with the people that he works in the studio with you know everyone's talking about how serious the situation is while Woody Allen's the one kind of enjoying the favours and he's reluctant to go on the good side of things because hey you know my lifestyle why would you do that so and I know Woody Allen reading the script must have thought, you know what, this is so ironic. I get to play a character who's not a writer, who doesn't know anything about writing. So for him, I could see this being appealing to him. But it's just, I just found it distasteful. And I just, actually, let me let me bring a little side note. One thing I came away from this movie thinking is that, you know what? I wish they did 
a series version of this movie. We'll get to Trombo later, but I wish they did a series version <laughs> of this movie and just played it for, you know, played it real. And ironically, in my research, I actually found out that Columbia Pictures passed on a version of this movie that was serious and it was Woody Allen bringing his comedic value that that was the reason why they greenlit the movie. Before that, they didn't want a serious version of this movie because I don't know if it was too close to the time, if things were too touchy, they were like, eh, this black, this stuff, it's not, nobody wants to watch that. But as soon as Woody Allen came along, they greenlit the movie. You know what? I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not shocked at that at all because when the movie opens up, it, it, it's quite weird. You can tell that they're actively trying to, to present this as a more serious Woody Allen movie. But already his character is doing some funny things in the background. And within the first dialogue session, the whole plot of the movie is set up about I'm in this pickle. You know, uh, I'm blacklisted. I can't work. I can't earn money. And Woody Allen's character is given these funny lines that nobody else really reacts to. is just for the audience. And throughout the film, I always felt that was kind of awkward because yes. there was no no genuine payoff. Like the the other actor just continued the dialogue. It was presented as, oh, here's a funny quip. Here's a joke, you know, to give you a chuckle laugh. But let's get back to the serious stuff. And even Woody Allen himself, I think he's good in the movie. And I really enjoyed seeing him in the more dramatic aspects. Sure. Like uh, when one of his colleagues is threatened to basically get blacklisted if he doesn't cooperate and he we kind of see this uh the the falling down of this uh iconic actor you know the the it's one of the greats being tossed off the throne you're talking about the actor or in the movie the character is called hecky brown and the actor the real life actor is called zero mostel that's a really cool name by the way zero mostel yeah, yeah exactly he he had the he had probably the darkest character arc out of everybody here yeah and I really enjoyed when those scenes got dark and serious. I really enjoyed Woody Allen. I think he he looked genuinely concerned and genuinely, you know, just confused of being stuck in this situation where he can't talk about anything. He doesn't know where he falls in terms of you know his conscience and what he can do. <laughs> he and looks I'm, like no, no. I disagree with that. He looks like he's like, God damn, man, why are these people making me feel guilty? He even said it yeah, so many times that yeah, guys, I, guys, he come he, on, he, you haven't seen it, man. You know. Stop messing around with my... Yeah, but he can't make up his mind. And I, I just think he acted it well. I think he... he his he acting did... was fine. His, his character, I found just dis, dis, distasteful. I just thought, this guy's getting on my... At this, even the highest point where he just went too far was near the end of the movie. He's, like you said, he's got like... Uh, he's getting the script for like six different people. There's a point they give him a script. He's like, you know what? Do this again. You know, it's it's not looking good on me. You know, you need to write really? this again. And you he, knows, he knows nothing okay. about scripts. I'm like, that's the height of his greed. And the guy actually see, pulls him across the see, table to strangle I think him. we have a disagreement here. I think we have a fundamental disagreement because I think that scene was supposed to highlight that, you know, this guy had hidden potential all his life, you know, and this situation is actually bringing it out of him that he would be a good showrunner. Like if he was running the show, he could arrange these writers to... Uh, you know bringing really good material Where and push them to the from? to them best where did you get that from 
I, I think because he was saying like, you know, I've been reading up all this stuff in, in libraries and they added in these scenes to show that he's actually educating himself on the subject matter. That's and garbage. He was, no, no, no. He actually says, yeah, that was it makes in the me, movie. he actually says, it makes me look bad. He actually says, these when these scripts are, it makes me look bad. That's what he said. Yeah, because he has a reputation at that point. You know, you know <laughs> he's like, I know you can do better. It's like a coach telling you, I, I know you can. He didn't even it's like it. a, It's like a coach, uh, you know, pushing you like i know you can do better i just thought i you know this may be one of the faults of the movie that for most people including yourself you know it doesn't really work like it, i i felt like they actively tried to make his character more likable by showing him going to the library you know brushing up on his literature getting more brushing uh, up on his literature he went to the library just to meet his ex-girlfriend who dumped him no, he didn't go no to pre- in the previous scene remember there was a scene where he was like, oh, you know, uh, show me the greats. And and it was like, he was almost like getting a recipe. It was like, give me two Dostoevsky, uh, two Hemingway, and, uh, and that, that is it for today, you know? That sounds like a, that sounds like a joke for the audience. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that even rhymes. It, it, it was a jokey scene, but um, yeah, that was it. They were establishing that he's trying to, to learn a little bit no, about what no, he's doing. I, I completely disagree. I honestly think... They played up his whole point of, you know, using his friends for laughs. It it could have been funny if those guys' suffering wasn't real. That's what bottom like and he's it's just and to be honest with you, he's manipulating his girlfriend as well because he's not being real. And that whole thing, I thought that would bother you the most because, you know, he lied to her for most of the movie. And at the end, when he comes clean, it's it's kind of forced. He kinda he didn't have to, but I, you don't really care about him and to be honest with you through to the very end of the movie he was reluctant to help at the even at the end ways the scene ways at the meeting at the the, the, the gathering and they're like just answer he's, uh, he drags it out for so long and then it just ends on a cool note it's like a, a, a line he wrote for himself just to make himself sound cool which is the line of my favorite line in the movie but it's like he just he was trapped they had him on something else anyway, on this gambling thing. And there's nothing, you were fooled. He was like, fuck it, fuck you guys, I'm out. And then you got arrested. So, look, I under, look, my whole problem, I'll summarize this. My whole problem with the movie is, I don't think it works as a sat, as a comedy. They tried to infuse comedy. Well, Columbia wanted a comedy version of this serious topic. I don't think it works. The comedy element just doesn't really work for me. Woody Allen, the acting's fine. The director, and I'll get to in a minute, but I just think they Columbia Pictures took Woody Allen because he's a name to make it lighter, to make the subject matter lighter. That he's the only one that's light and he's dubious, he's not a likable character. Everyone else is suffering, and I just thought this isn't funny, this really isn't funny. And at the end, him being the spotlight of this whole thing is weird. It's about the blacklist, but then we're focusing on the character who can't write, who uses everyone. To, for its own gains, and at the end just says fuck you. It's a weird, <laughs> it's a weird like when I look at Richards, but I'm like, this is the focal character. It's like they just use him to tell the narrative, but he doesn't serve the purpose of what of the blacklist at all. He's he's a complete outsider. He's completely unlikable. And I came away from the movie just like whatever. I feel sorry for everyone else. Woody Allen gets arrested. I don't feel sorry for him because he lied anyway and he's greedy and. I don't like the government and I like I like the true facts of the movie I understand the politics of the movie in real life what they wanted I don't think this movie ages well 
And in that respect, I'm so glad that another movie was made more recently called Trumbo, which yeah, yeah. is a great example of how you can make the dire situation comedic. Because that movie is what this movie basically is it's the superior version of this movie. Because they have those comedic elements in that, in that movie, but everything that happens is real and serious. And again, well, Woody, that's based on a real person as well. Yeah, exactly. And Woody Allen's character is completely fake. It's a completely made up character. So it's really weird. I think honestly, I didn't like the movie because I just didn't like the message. And ultimately, I just think this is a perfect example of execs at the time just wanting what they want and not really caring about the storyline. And you know, that's just me personally. And I just want to say for the record. I actually thought this movie was great in my memory, but watching it now, I didn't like it. <laughs> this is a weird one for me. That's just how I feel about it, though. You know, you highlighted a bunch of faults with this movie for me. Like, just the way you summarize it. Because, like, even with The Girlfriend, I, I thought that the attention, regardless of the execution, the attention was to highlight that he's uh, in a conundrum. Like, he's torn between two options. Like, because... He was very lonely in the beginning, and that was supposed to make you sympathize with him a little bit and appreciate that he's finally found happiness, but it's built on a lie. And if he comes clean, he's risking losing everything. But at the same time, the flip side argument is like, does she really like him for himself or does she like him for his name? You know, like yeah. if he comes clean, does she stick with him or does she leave? And if she leaves, is it just like, well, you never really liked me now, did you? You just yeah. like the idea of who I am and, you know, what that made you uh, uh, of going out with uh, such a respected writer or such a famous person sure. or the spotlight or anything. So uh, I understand the, the, the story mechanics and the emotional themes they were playing around with. But, yeah, the, the movie wasn't, you know, hitting strides. It wasn't like uh, one scene after the other. I was like, that was great. That was a great moment. That was a great moment. The way you spoke about it just now kind of highlighted to me that I don't think everything really falls in place or works that effectively. A lot of people don't get these elements and it doesn't translate well. Like you said, it, for you, it didn't age well. When you saw it out of context, probably, you know, for the first time, not knowing much about the background. I didn't. That's exactly right. I, I, I yeah, appreciated yeah. it more then because I didn't know anything about the Blacklist. So it was like, wow, sure. this is really interesting. And Woody Allen liked him. So first time back then it was cool. But now knowing more about the, the, the politics and stuff like that and after seeing Trombo as well, I'm like watching it again. Wait a minute, this seems a little bit, you know. So yeah, you're right on that. And I think you know that was probably what was going on at the time with yeah. the studio being reluctant to make this because the McCarthy era is like a huge, like it's a huge mess up in terms of government function. And I, I personally know people whose families went through insane things because of it. And sure, it's exactly it, yeah. it, it's it's a terrible dark spot in our history i mean we have many but this was you know this is this is this is really the country turning inside out so even in the 70s something being made that predominantly highlights the the injustice and the misconduct and the abuse and to a certain level corruption whether it be ideological corruption or corruption by power that was that was still considered a dangerous topic so I understand why they want to make it a comedy and line it up. Sure. Yeah, so do I. I agree with that, yeah. And I think this probably qualifies as, at the time, as one of the good movies of the year. You would walk in and say, okay, at least somebody made a movie about this topic. Yes. It was interesting to hear 
these experiences translated to the big screen by people who went through it firsthand. But ultimately, it wasn't the best thing. It wasn't the best movie. It was interesting to watch. Wasn't the ending because uh, he swears in it, like groundbreaking? Wasn't yes. that one of the first movies, yes. mainstream movies that did that? You yes. know, yes, that's a g- great point, and it's one of Woody Allen's most memorable endings. And again, seeing it in context this time, I was very disappointed because I remember him taking a stand. Jim Carrey made that movie called The Majestic. I think it touches on this. It touched on that a little bit as well. And that scene where Jim Carrey's up against the panel as well, that has a better kind of back and forth with them. Woody Allen in that whole scene, he just doesn't answer. He dilly-dallies, he puts off questions and they just try to nail him on something and he just, you know, comes up with a really cool line and walks out. It's just now seen as like, I don't want to say it's out of character, but it, they try to make him like a hero at the end, but I'm like, he didn't do anything. So, but you know, it doesn't matter what I say because the movie was a, a nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> and nominated for a Golden Globe it was nominated for an Oscar for the script and um, I think the guy who played um, the the, the actor who had the bad times in this movie he was nominated for a BAFTA as well this won a lot of awards and I don't want to say something too negative by saying this I think a lot of it has got to do with the subject matter alone being a movie about the blacklist and the actors are good actually let me just the actors are very good on a whole the cast is good even Woody Allen the character I don't like and he's the focal point and there's so much things going on which I will say the movie does not shy away from all the stuff going on but ironically let's get to the fan reception because the scores on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes are in the sevens now I was reading a lot of reviews from critics and fans and actually the biggest criticism people saying that this movie was a simplification of the situation again they sure. did focus on Woody Allen's character a bit too much and actually a lot of cinema files don't like this movie because they just feel like it, it, it deserved the dramatised version that comes you know with Trumbo a bit more serious and again they love Woody Allen but they just feel like like I said before they could see there was some kind of compromise to turn this into something it probably shouldn't have been but generally it's still well received people like the acting like us and it's still a favourite for a lot of people one thing I didn't mention is I don't think the directing of this movie is anything special and actually I think some of the editing was a bit sloppy there's some scenes that could have been cut I don't mean cut completely just some scenes go on too long where it feels like the actors have walked off and the camera's still rolling it's like uh, when you meant to cut to the next scene it's happened like four or five times people could have made the director himself I forgot his name he mentioned it before he um, he never did anything of super note so you know this is one of his biggest known films. He passed away in 99 as well. So not shitting on the director or anything, but you know, it would have been interesting if Woody Allen directed this movie, but maybe he would have made it too slapstick. I don't know. Maybe this would have been more one of his drama movies, but either way, it's a good movie in a sense. I just don't like it because I just think the subject matter should have been taken more seriously, but we got Trombo in the future anyway. So, you know, someone agreed with me. <laughs> Down hey. line. I think you nailed it like that. Like the big part of this is uh, um, the movie aging as it did the past couple of decades is uh, the need for dramatization and, and the subject matter being tackled better, especially most recently with Trumbo. That was like one of my favorite movies, you know, that year. Yeah. And it, it really takes a lot out of this. But at the same time, when people scream for dramatization, remember this was made in like 76. I mean, sure. Drama in 76 was drama, a lot of crying, a lot of dragged out scenes, a lot of emotion. I mean, 
unless this was unless two names were attached to this, either Francis Ford Coppola or Sidney Lumet, you know, this would not be made into a drama because those are the only two heavyweights well, at actually, the time who could carry let me, it. Let me let me let's play devil's advocate. Take Woody Allen out of this movie. How does this movie play without Woody Allen? Uh, you would get Sidney Lumet and Al Pacino, and maybe <laughs> you get a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, or you know, get uh, Coppola and Al Pacino, but yeah, both of them were doing different things. I mean, I think Coppola was like already knee deep in Apocalypse Now, maybe. Yeah. And uh, I, I think Sidney Lumet, he already did Dog the Afternoon, that was '75, so maybe Network. Uh, not quite sure, but basically, yeah, that's yeah, and he was doing Network, yeah, in '76, which again, epic movie, foreshadows yeah. Fox oh, News. Amazing. So yeah. But enough said. I mean, you know, it's a tough choice. You don't want it to be an over-dramatized movie. There's very few people around who have the name pulled to tackle such a controversial subject. Because even in the 70s, one of the big, you know, conservative narratives is the government's cool. We don't want big government. But at the same time, we don't want these hippies, these anarchists, these yeah. anti-government people. So it's kind of like, you know, you don't want big government, but... You don't want a revolution either. So somebody highlighting what quote unquote conservative thinking did in the past. Again, needless to say, controversial. <laughs> so like I said, if people watch Trombo first, this movie won't be as good. If you don't know anything about the subject matter and you you enjoy Woody Allen, you want to see him switch it up a bit, even though his comedy is the weakest part of this movie, yeah. but his serious acting is one of the best parts along sure. with uh, a good supporting cast yeah uh give it a go it's it's not the greatest movie uh, the reception fits it. it they it got a lot of you know awards just for tackling the subject matter and having a good cast but it's not the best movie released that year or the best movie of the decade it's not this big epic masterpiece but that will come in our next episode so. Well, you said it, Simon. And on that note, guys, if you've watched this movie or you completely agree or disagree with us, let us know what your thoughts are. Leave a comment in the comment section down below, whether you're on YouTube or on the podcast. Leave us an iTunes review as well. And as Simon alluded to, on our next recording, we get to the title that took Woody Allen from the big screen into the big screen in the universe into the stratosphere this movie completely put Woody Allen out there it's a fan favorite it's it's a movie favorite it's in so many top 10 lists yes we're talking about Annie Hall guys we're gonna get to it I don't know how long that review is gonna be and I'm gonna re-watch the movie it is one of my favorite Woody Allen movies of all time but let's just see with my critical new brain if it's gonna change or what what I can dig out how we're going to dissect this, Simon? I'm really interested to see what we're going to come with on the next recording. Cool. You want to give us uh, your favorite line of the movie? I already said what it was, and even though it was, you you, you fucked up the quote though. So <laughs> I just don't like the context in. But it is my quote of the movie. It's obviously it's one of the most memorable quotes in Woody Allen's retrospective. <laughs> Woody Allen gets up after that little, uh, what, what do we want to call it? The meeting of the minds with the government, and it's no, the interrogation. The yeah. interrogation, because fellas. I don't recognize the right of this committee to be asking these kinds of questions. Then he walks behind them, nearly out the door, turns around and says, and furthermore, you can all go fuck yourselves. <laughs> that is a great line. It's a really great line. It's delivered really coolly, but, you know, it's the kind of line you give 
after you stand up for the rights of the people, your peers, and he never did that. He just waffles going, eh, 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 shit, I, shit, I. Yeah, but you're supposed to put, put yourself in his shoes, and you know, it's it's the fifties. Earning such a nice salary in the fifties was wasn't common. So, especially for somebody who comes from his background, so he had a lot to lose. He had he had it made, and it was a big sacrifice. Eh, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> as we said, the next Woody Allen movie, boy, the quotes. There's just too many quotes. It's actually going to be interesting to find out what Simon's favorite quote of the uh, the next movie is going to be. So you already know that because I I always quote it. Oh yeah, well that's a long. You know what? I might even put that as a clip there since you love it so much. I think that, I that's that not even a quote. That's a speech. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, guys, the video's been long enough. Thanks for watching. Subscribe to the channel if you like us on YouTube. Don't forget to leave a comment as I said before. And if you're on YouTube, you can see those annotations on the screen for the, all the other stuff we do on Planet Tyro. Simon, thank you for joining me on this one as usual. Honestly, just go fuck yourself. <laughs> you're talking to me, guys, not you guys. <laughs> I'll see you. We'll see you on the next one, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye.